Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're following hot off the heels of our boy Awad here on 106.7 The Fan. I am Denton Day. I'm with you for the next three hours on a championship weekend. It is really, it's beautiful outside. I'm overlooking... Uh, great, the great uh, little area of Ashburn as we do this right now. I have a chili cook-off to go to after this, which I'm very excited about. But we got sports to discuss. We will, um, as you heard, we are chasing greatness. A new documentary coming out around Alex Ovechkin on ESPN in just about a week. We're going to discuss that a little later in the program. Matt Wyrex going to join us in our third hour to get his thoughts on the documentary on what the Capitals are doing as we sit a little past the uh, the midway point of the season and what they could potentially do with the trade deadline. But we're going to talk a lot of football this afternoon. It's championship weekend. And, you know, I was pretty good at math when I was growing up. I wasn't great. I certainly was by no means a mathematician, but I could do simple addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, And I look at the AFC Championship game right now, specifically at number 15 for Kansas City, and there's something not adding up there. There's a little confusion with the way that I think they're handling things. Something doesn't quite make sense. Patrick Mahomes is going to start tomorrow in the AFC Championship game. That's not really a surprise to me. I knew that Mahomes was going to start, but the way that Kansas City has been handling this has been very... Very confusing. Mahomes is dealing with a high ankle sprain that he suffered last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the divisional round. If you know anything about a high ankle sprain, God forbid if you've ever had a high ankle sprain before, it's not not an injury that you come back from after a week. You know, generally for normal human beings, and I know Mahomes isn't normal, NFL players aren't normal, but for normal human beings... The timetable of recovery is six to eight weeks. Patrick Mahomes is about to start a football game eight days after suffering a high ankle sprain. By the way, he finished the game that he actually suffered the high ankle sprain with. So I'm confused as to, is there something that I'm missing? 
Like, is are they just shooting Mahomes' ankle up with everything under the sun right now in Kansas City? My hope would be no. I think the shots and the injections that some of these NFL players get are, are not the best for their bodies and certainly their long-term health. Is this dude just an X-Men or are we being lied to? Is Kansas City trying to pull one over on us and Patrick Mahomes is not... Well, we know he's not 100%, but he's not even 75%. He might not even be 65%. What is Kansas City doing? Are they trying to pull one on us to where Kansas City could prepare for Patrick Mahomes and then at the last second, you're actually getting Chad Henney? You know, I worry of the the long-term health of Patrick Mahomes. I'm curious to see how they're going to work this if Patrick Mahomes does indeed actually play. Because, by the way, you could say on Friday that he's starting and then come Sunday say, well, you know, there was something that came up. We're going to pull him. We're going to put Chad Henney in. You know, the NFL does require some degree of transparency, and that's for uh, the benefit of the fan. But really, it's for the benefit of the gambler because the NFL is in bed with all these gambling services. They want the gambler to know what's going down on Sunday. But you could very easily pull Mahomes if you actually wanted to. But I'm curious as to how, if this guy is actually going to play, like what happened? How is, what type of rehab procedure did he go through? What kind of stretching? Is it Pilates? Is it weird yoga? Did he talk to Aaron Rodgers and he put him on this weird, like, uh, this Southeastern yoga that we don't know about as regular people? Like, how is, if his ankle was actually hurt, which I think it's 100% fair to assume his ankle was actually hurt. He was pulled from the game last week against Jacksonville. Like, that all happened. That wasn't just a ruse that they were pulling on us because they knew they were so confident they were going to beat Jacksonville and take on uh, the winner of Kansas City and Buffalo, who they didn't know at that point yet because they played Saturday, and that Buffalo-Cincinnati game was on Sunday. But if he was actually hurt, like, how is he going to play? And more importantly, what is the Kansas City offense going to look like if this dude does actually play? If you've watched Cincinnati at all for more than just the game last week against Buffalo, obviously Joe Burrow is the man. I think everybody who doubted Joe Burrow prior to this season is starting to realize the flaw in their way of thinking. Joe Burrow is the man. He's always been the man, and he always will be the man. I mean, forget comparing this dude to Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. He is, he's Bret Hart, just in NFL form. It's Royal Rumble weekend, people. You're getting a lot of references over the course of the next three hours to the world of professional wrestling. But Joe Burrow has always been the man. That's obvious. But if you've watched Cincinnati, hopefully you've noticed their passwords isn't terrible. Those two guys they got coming off of the edge and Hubbard and Hendrickson, they're going to get after Patrick Mahomes. And that's what I worry about if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs. Because Patrick Mahomes' game is based off of shiftiness and mobility and quite honestly defying what we know to be athletic logic sometimes. The way that he can contort his body and even just the way that he moves. My favorite thing that Patrick Mahomes does is when he's running the football and he goes towards the sideline and he kind of fakes up and a defender runs past him because they don't want to hit him, but they're coming full speed. He kind of slows up a little bit. The defender runs past him. He gets a couple of extra yards. He's done it time and time again, especially on their runs to the Super Bowl in previous years. And you might even see it tomorrow, 
but you might not because of the ankle. And it's it's those little intricacies. It seems like such a small thing, but if Mahomes does that little bit that he does across the sideline, picks up an extra three yards and moves the chains, it's a new set of downs. So you're forced with uh, defending the Chiefs for another new set of downs rather than what could have potentially been a fourth and two around midfield. And then do they punt the ball? Do they go for it? It's those little intricacies that you might not have this weekend if you're Kansas City that completely changed the optics of this game because Kansas City's defense is not good. Kansas City's defense cannot stop the Bengals' offense. Theoretically, this game should be a track meet in every sense of the word because you have two great offenses. You have a decent defense with Cincinnati, although Eli Apple has been running his mouth all over social media. Nothing new with Eli Apple, but eventually that's going to anger somebody on Kansas City and they're going to take advantage of it. But you look at Kansas City's defense and that's not a good defense, especially considering what Cincinnati brings to the table offensively. There's not a better trio of wide receivers in the NFL. You can look at all the other 31 teams. I do think, by the way, that the group in Washington isn't far off. They're not on the level of Kansas City, but if you're looking objectively at the trios of wide receivers in the NFL, the commanders group with Terry, Jahan, and Curtis Samuel, they're certainly top half. I would argue they are a top five trio in this league, but they're not Cincinnati. You don't know who to cover for Cincinnati because all of those dudes could go for six catches, 120 yards, and two touchdowns. Obviously, they're going to focus on Jamar Chase, Kansas City will, because Kansas City has been destroyed by Jamar Chase in previous seasons. I mean, Jamar Chase had one of the best receiving games we've seen in the last five to ten years against Kansas City to close out the regular season in the second to last week of the year, week 17, where he went for over 200 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, he was absolutely torching the defensive backs. It was very much one of the many coming out parties that Jamar Chase had last year. So they're going to be keying in on him. But the earlier matchup from this season in week 13, T. Higgins was the guy that really stole the show. He had over 100 yards and a couple of big catches and a touchdown against Kansas City. So they're going to be matched up on him. But if you're matching up on those two guys, you can't leave Tyler Boyd running across the middle. If Patrick Mahomes and his ankle do not hold up enough to where they can be explosive on offense, you don't play Patrick Mahomes if you're Kansas City. It really is that simple, and it sounds almost absurd because I'm suggesting to sit the MVP of the league. He's a two-time MVP once he wins the award this year. He's arguably, I mean, I can't think of a guy that's had a faster track to a Hall of Fame status than Patrick Mahomes. If the guy retires today, he's a Hall of Famer, without a shadow of a doubt. But if he can't go to the way you need him to go, you have to sit him. Because you can't jeopardize his long-term future. But honestly, if he can't do some of the things that you are so used to him doing as an offense, it puts your team in a bad position against an offense in Cincinnati that you know is going to bring it. Now, one thing, there's this narrative that has been... I think really taking over this matchup that I would like to put to bed. Kansas City has lost their last three games to Cincinnati. Joe Burrow has been unbelievable against Mahomes and the Chiefs. I think his touchdown interception ratio is somewhere in the neighborhood of 8-1. to 
That is pretty darn good against what's supposed to be the best team in the league on a year-in, year-out basis. And oh, by the way, he did that in Kansas City last year for the AFC Championship game. They won on the road in one of the three places in the NFL where I think home field advantage actually makes a legitimate difference. Joe Burrow's not afraid of the moment, but something that I've heard time in and time out this week as people focus on this game is that Cincinnati is the comeback kid against Kansas City. And technically, that is correct because all of the three games that Joe Burrow has played against Patrick Mahomes, Cincinnati has come back from. But if you look at that in full context, it is maybe not quite as big of a jump as it seems. Last year, it was. I mean, last year in the AFC championship game, they were down 21 to 3. In week 17 of the NFL season last year, they were down 21 to 7. Cincinnati was, and they came back and won both times. But in lumping the week 13 matchup in with that, it does skew it a little bit. Because, yes, technically Cincinnati was trailing Kansas City in that game, and it was a comeback. But a seven point comeback when Cincinnati was leading earlier in the game is not the same as coming back from 21 to 3. So I think you just lump that comeback in and you think, well, they just had all the success coming from behind against Kansas City, whereas the game week 13 was very much a back-and-forth contest excuse me, where Cincinnati just happened to, to get the final laugh. They came back late, and then they made a couple of stops against Kansas City, and that was all it was. There's been a lot of chirping back and forth between the two sides. I'm always down for some chirping. I think this is very much becoming the next great rivalry in the NFL, the Bengals and the Chiefs, Burrow and Mahomes. This is something that you should be really excited about. And in spite of the fact that the NFL tried to make it Allen and Mahomes and the Chiefs and the Bills and do all of those things to lean in favor of that being the rivalry, it's Burrow, it's Mahomes. They are the next two guys, really not the next two, they are the guys right now in the AFC. I'm excited about that, but I do think some of the chirping is silly. I've seen some Kansas City fans very upset about the fact that the Bengals are starting to call Arrowhead Burrowhead because Joe Burrow has had so much success there. It's silly. It's goofy. But, you know, some people take this sports a little too seriously, man. Like, we're just having a little bit of fun, and once once the ball kicks off at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time here in D.C., Tomorrow, all the Burrowhead stuff and the chirping back and forth defensive players for Kansas City saying they don't think Cincinnati's offense is very good. All of that stuff goes to the side, and it's about proving it. And you have two guys playing quarterback who have made a very good uh, mark early in their careers about proving it in big-time games. We'll come back to this matchup later because there's so much more to dive in on, specifically from Joe Burrow's side of things. We'll do that later on in the program. John Crispin at ESPN is going to join us in about 15 minutes to talk a little bit of college hoops. We are now, at least I am, transitioning much more into college basketball season now that college football has ended and now that the NFL is coming to a close. So we'll get caught up to speed with John Crispin in about 15 minutes. But coming up next... What was once a crazy plan to reset the Commanders has become way more possible. I'll share that with you next. You're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan and on the Odyssey app. It is 106.7 The Fan. I am Denton Day. 
at the Denton Day on Twitter. Something that has brought me a good amount of joy this week is seeing all of the teams that Sean Payton was interviewing for not hire Sean Payton. And see the Denver Broncos say, we want Sean Payton, but Sean Payton didn't take the job. Because I don't know about you, but I feel like the Washington Commanders in the year of our Lord 2024 would be a perfect fit for Sean Payton. And it felt like that was improbable just a week ago. But in the way that we have seen other organizations who Sean Payton has interviewed for take their organization in different directions is starting to build a little bit of hope within my pure soul here. We know that Ron Rivera is effectively coaching his final season in D.C. in 2023, barring a Super Bowl run, but I would encourage you to not hold your breath on that. When new ownership comes in, they're going to want their guy. And if Sean Payton's still on the market because nobody really woos him this offseason the way that he feels like he should be gone after, why, if you're a new owner in the NFL, would you not take a major swing on Sean Payton to completely reset the trajectory of your organization moving forward under your leadership? The path, I think, is being set. Now, granted, a lot of things have to happen. First and foremost... Sean Payton can't take any jobs. He can't take any jobs this offseason. He hasn't taken the Denver job, and there was a report on Twitter that said Sean Payton did not like or, or had some issues with the ownership in Denver. Now, Sean Payton quickly jumped on Twitter and said that is the furthest thing from the truth. And maybe he's right. But what I know to also be true is that Sean Payton still hasn't taken that Denver job in spite of the fact that they wanted him. They want him, he hasn't taken it, and they have a pretty darn good quarterback in Russell Wilson. So there's something there in Denver that leads me to believe that Sean Payton is not going to take the Denver job. He's not going to take Dallas. I know a lot of people are worried and upset about Sean Payton potentially going to Dallas. Sean Payton has said during the season this year when he does interview appearances on radio shows and podcasts and television, everybody always asks him, Sean, are you coming back to coach? And he's laid out his list of what he would be looking for. Obviously, quarterback is high up there. But Sean Payton doesn't want to deal with weird ownership or ownership that steps all over his plans. And I do not care how great his relationship with Jerry Jones is. He's not taking that Dallas job. Hell, I got friends that I have really good relationships with. And I feel like some of those friends would suck if they were my boss. I'm sure Sean Payton and Jerry Jones are the exact same way. Because the last thing that Sean Payton or any football coach in America wants to deal with on a Tuesday morning when they're getting ready to install their game plan for the next week is for the owner of that football team to be critiquing what they did Sunday on their own radio show. Sean Payton doesn't want to deal with that. That's not happening in D.C. with the new owner, fingers crossed. So the first step in this journey is that nobody hires Sean Payton. The second step is that Dan Snyder has to sell the team. And preferably to somebody like Josh Harris. 
I know a lot of people are up on the Jeff Bezos. They want to see Jeff Bezos own the Commanders. But I know, and you know, in the deepest depths of your soul, you don't actually want Jeff Bezos to own the Commanders. You just want somebody that's not Dan Snyder. And we have no idea what Jeff Bezos would be like as an owner in the National Football League. Would he be a Dan Snyder-esque or a Jerry Jones-esque where he feels like he knows everything and just wants to, to rummage through? Is he just using it as an investment opportunity to add to his already substantially high net worth? Or does he just want to win? But I do know there are other guys involved in this race or other entities involved in this race that are serious about winning. One of those guys is Josh Harris. I have not heard anything terrible from Philadelphia 76ers fans about this dude. I haven't heard anything terrible from New Jersey Devils fans about this dude. He just lets people go. He lets people do the job that he hired them to do. I feel like Sean Payton would get along very well with Josh Harris. So step number two, Dan Slander has to sell the team and then Josh Harris has to be the one to buy it or somebody that's not going to be obnoxious and annoying, somebody that is serious about winning in the nation's capital. Step number three is that you hire a general manager that Sean Payton has a great relationship with. I want Sean Payton to be the coach of this team more than anything. What I do not want to happen with the commanders is another coach slash general manager the same way that Ron Rivera has been. I think Sean Payton is an absolute genius, but I also know that Sean Payton tried to make Taysom Hill a thing when everybody with a brain knew that Taysom Hill was not going to be the correct replacement for Drew Brees. The guy's not batting a thousand. He's the best option on a pretty decent market, quite honestly. There are still a lot of great head coaches out there, but he is the best option for an organizational reset. I just don't need that dude having all of the power in this city. You don't need that dude having all of the power in this city. I hope that the organization and whoever is next to own the team has learned from the mistake that we have seen play out in front of our eyes with one Ron Rivera. So no general manager and coaching role. The guy is good at what he does. He's not Bill Belichick, and even Bill Belichick is kind of failing at that now that Tom Brady's no longer there. The GM and coach hat being worn by the same person is an absolute no-go. And the final thing. The final thing is Sam Howell has to either be really damn good next year or really bad. The worst thing that can happen for the commander's organization in 2023 is that Sam Howell is average. If he's average the same way the quarterback play was average this past season in D.C., we are once again as fans going to be in trouble because you're going to be hovering around the middle point of the first round and you're going to miss out on a good quarterback in next year's draft. But if Sam Howell is great, if he's great with this weird one-year rental as an offensive coordinator, and you're Sean Payton, and you know that you bring it on offense, you can sweep in and take Sam Howell from an already strong level to an even better level, and you have your next potential you know, franchise quarterback being led by a coach that actually knows how to handle a quarterback. If Sam Howell's bad and you get the uh, a top pick in the draft, if you're Sean Payton, you then get to choose your quarterback. 
You can either make a huge move in the offseason and go for a veteran, or you can go for a guy like Caleb Williams or Drake May should they actually be top picks next season. I think some people are taking that as a foregone conclusion. I would like to remind you that a couple years ago, it was a foregone conclusion that Spencer Rattler was going to be the number one overall pick, and then that Sam Howe was going to go top five. And he did not go top five. He won in the first five rounds, but he did not go top five in the first round. So sometimes you just never know what it's going to be season to season. But I do feel pretty confident that either Caleb Williams or Drake May is going to be a top pick in next year's draft. If you're Sean Payton, you look at that with a smile and say, I could really use one of those guys. It still is a tad bit crazy to think that Sean Payton would come to D.C., but based off of where we were a week ago, now that all these other coaches are starting to get hired at other positions, Sean Payton might not coach next season which means we're going to do this dance all over again. And with new ownership, I don't see why Sean Payton wouldn't come here and why that ownership would not sell him the farm to get him here. I'm Denton Day. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan on a Saturday. We're going to transition into a little bit of college hoops action. John Crispin covers uh, college basketball for SiriusXM and ESPN. He's going to join us next, get us up to speed with what's going down in the SEC Big 12 Challenge and nationally. That's coming up next on 106.7 The Fan. It's Denton Day on 106.7, the fan at the Denton Day on the Twitter machine. Let's head out to our BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. We find our buddy John Crispin. On that BetQL guest hotline, he covers college basketball for SiriusXM and ESPN, and you can find his new podcast, Coach and the Commentator, on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Crispin, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good, man. I, I didn't realize that you were at the Denton Day. Uh, and I'm a little upset with myself because that's usually something I would pick on you about. Well, you know like, what actually I am upset Denton, about on Twitter? Day. <laughs> I've always tried to get just at Denton. But that one's taken by suspended account with two followers, so it always bums me out. You know what? What's the deal with that? Like, can we grease somebody? Like, remember the good old days when you can grease somebody and get your way? Now, now I think it's just everything costs too much, right? They're going to want twenty grand for for at Denton, right? Yeah, and I do not have twenty grand to pay for a Twitter name. <laughs> I mean, if I pay twenty grand for a Twitter name, you should make fun of me every single day. Oh, I will. I'm good at that. <laughs> All right, Crispin. So we are um, uh, about halfway through the, the regular season in college basketball, but we're really starting to get to the point where the games really start to mean something. You have a pretty good idea of who's good and who is not. As we sit at this halfway point, who are some of the teams that have really surprised you across the nation in college hoops? Well, I think sometimes the surprises aren't always good, right? Like the surprise of Kentucky, it's not a good surprise. It's a disappointing surprise where – you have a team that, that probably has one of the highest payrolls in college basketball, <laughs> and they're struggling. And, and the fan base, it's funny because the fan base is turning on Cal. And what people aren't really stopping to think about is saying, well, why is the fan base turning on Cal? Why is it now that people are finally fed up? Well, part of it is because people put real dollars behind these teams. People actually invest in players and personnel, and they think, well, that's going to bring us a championship, when the reality is it doesn't. So it's like there's surprises like that. I think there are other like smaller surprises like a Northwestern, 
Right, Northwestern's a very good team, and I think we keep, even at the halfway point of the season, we keep going, well, you know, they're going to run into a wall and they'll fall apart. Uh, One of the teams in the Big Ten in particular, as I'm staying on the Big Ten now, uh, in in Rutgers, like, are they really a surprise anymore? I think that's one of those things where the narrative starts to change, and that in and of itself is a bit of a surprise, where you start to say, wait a second, Rutgers is a legit basketball team. They're very good. Uh, so so maybe the, the surprise is that they've kind of stepped past the point where they're a surprise anymore, and they're now a contender year in, year out. I think it's still, as, as weird as this sounds, though, to answer your question, I think it's still too early to tell because we haven't really seen teams go through that second time around. We've seen young teams do well until they get to that second time around, right? Ohio State, they look great to start the season. Then they fall apart. Why is that? Well, they're, lung by, they're run by a young core. You know, you got Bryce Sensabaugh and Thornton in the backcourt, two freshmen. They don't know how to win at this level. And I think that's something where you just have to be patient. So I am still at this point, past the halfway point, I still sit back and I watch and observe. And I, and I say, I really don't know as much as I should know at this point in the season. But I think that's part of the fun and the part of the madness that is college basketball and the day of free agency. And I, I think that's almost becoming a little bit of a trend, at least in, in recent years, where we get to this point and – there's not three or four teams that have separated. There's still a, a collection of, you know, maybe eight to ten teams that you think, well, they could end up being really, really good come March or, or they could end up falling. Do you think that makes college basketball more entertaining for the casual fan or do they need some sort of superstar power to keep their attention? So the casual fan wants both. Um, the casual fan doesn't like the fact that TCU and K-State are really good because the casual fan doesn't know who the hell they are. Like they, they, the casual fan doesn't know where Manhattan, Kansas is, but they know where, they know where Lawrence is, you know. So to me, it's like we need the blue bloods to carry the interest of college basketball and and garner the interest of people that are are halfway in, halfway out, right? Like Zion Williamson did that a couple of years ago. Zion Williamson got people who were casual fans to watch much sooner than February, March. I mean, he had Obama at games. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's ridiculous. You've got the president of the United States of America coming to your games. That's ridiculous. So I think there are things like that where the blue bloods and, and your best talent need to carry things early. But then what is the fan like late? Well, they like Cinderella's. They like upsets. So there needs to be a combination of both. I, I think if we have good upsets throughout the course of the year, yet the blue bloods continue to carry the way and really carry the torch and be the flag bearer for college basketball, then then we can really grow an audience. But I think it's getting harder and harder because for a while there, we got away from college basketball and even college football being an event, right? Something that you can't miss. You've got to be there to be a part of. Now it's like everything's on TV. People are not as interested in it being an event. And because they're not as interested in it being an event, less people are watching on TV. There's less interest because we wait till March. So I think college basketball needs to get more grassroots again. They need to serve their audience, their community, right? And they need to do it with players that resemble the community just as much as they resemble the program itself, right? Think Purdue, think Rutgers. Those are programs that you know what you're going to get year in, year Wisconsin, Iowa, local kids, and they always play up a level. I think that's what we need to get back to a little bit more if we want interest to, interest to continue in college basketball. Because the, the casual fans, yeah, they want to see Zion Williamson and Duke do what they do, and then they want to see the upsets in March, which – we're always going to have. I just think we don't have those elite teams and elite players that, that we've had at times. 
John Crispin, my guest, John 1067, the fan. You can find him on Twitter at John Crispin ESPN. Now, you've mentioned teams like Purdue and, and Rutgers. I look at the rankings now, and I don't see a ton of blue bloods in the top 10. D- do you feel like NIL is kind of adjusting yep. the way that maybe some of the blue bloods perform or maybe <laughs> helping, you know, a team like Purdue? I know they had the, the Zach Eady, you know, uh, hockey sweaters going on. Do you think that we're starting to see other teams kind of utilize NIL much more to their benefit than the blue bloods do? So it's, it's not about, like, can I use, it's not, can I use NIL to my benefit? Everyone's trying to do that. And we live in this copycat world where no one has a, a, an original idea. Uh, they claim it as original idea, but no one actually thinks for themselves. They just do whatever anybody else is doing. And if it, if it sounds like I'm being disparaging and critical, I am. <laughs> I think we're I think we're lame. I think we we have one person say, all right, well, we're going to put a collective together and put ten million dollars together. And we're going to tell players that we're going to pay them. Well, then everybody's going to do it because we're lame like that. Because no one has an original idea. Yet the teams that know who they are and understand what they are not know how to utilize NIL to their to their benefit. The places like Purdue say, you know what, come be great here. And if you are, we're going to support you. But we're going to support you in, in your name, image, and likeness. We're not going to entice you to come here with millions of dollars. Like, that will never work in college basketball. If you think you can take a kid who does not yet know how to be a pro and put a million dollars in his hand and think that he's going to know what it takes to be a professional, you're out of your mind. This is also at a time when we have players talking about mental health how hard it is to have a good balance and to have good mental health when fans are so critical. And the the part of me that is a human being says, man, that's tough. Um, But then there's another part of me that was a competitor once. And I go, hold on a second. I got that too. I got death threats at my parents' home phone. It was, it was a taped recording, right? The old, the old voicemail or voice machine, you know, the voicemail machines, right? Where you had to play it back and it was an actual tape you would have people leaving awful messages and it's just after one loss, let alone when I transferred. That was a whole other story. <laughs> so it's like that stuff has always been going on. But now you can, you can project yourself as a victim when, when the reality is if you're making money, you are a professional. And if there are people out there that are funneling money to the program with the expectation that you'll win, they will hold you to that standard. As unreasonable as that is, that's what they will do. And that's what's happening. And, and kids are realizing, whether they want to admit this or not, they are not ready to be pros yet. They haven't learned what it takes to be a pro. They haven't learned accountability and good habits. And with that, they haven't had the, the toughness, the mental toughness to separate themselves personally from the business and the job that they're doing. So I think we're, we're doing a disservice to a lot of these kids by just you know throwing money in their pockets. I was I was listening to my guy Jimmy Jackson the other day, and Tom Izzo asked the question, well, what do you think about NIL? And Jimmy says, get that money. And I go, hold on, guys. We have a cultural issue in this country, and it's called the, the worship of money is killing us. Like, if anybody has something that we don't, we want it, and we feel entitled to it. And what's happening right now is because the NCAA makes a lot of money, and we know what those television dollars look like. We don't know what budgets look like with an athletic department. We don't care to, to, to mention that – Iowa spends 100, or Iowa makes 158 million, and they spend 157.9. Like, we, we don't realize that this business actually costs money too for them to have what they have. So, we haven't done a good job of serving this well. But there are programs like the Purdue's out there that are utilizing it properly by getting guys that come to school, stay in school, and because they're in school for a long time, that community rallies around them, and they will make sure that kid's being taken care of. And oh, by the way, those are the teams that are winning. The ones that hand kids money, they're losing. And I'm glad for it, quite frankly. 
All right, Chris, but I got 30 seconds. I'll let you go on this one. We oh, have a lot of great matchups today. The SEC and Big 12 Challenge going down. Of the games that we're going to see today, is there anyone in particular that you have circled to really sit down and pay attention to? Uh, I don't know if it's today or tomorrow, but Kansas and Kentucky. Um, that, I, I just – you, you want to watch this train wreck that is Kentucky when they struggle, and then you want to see <laughs> if they can bounce out of it because they still have talent. And can you do it against a Kansas team that is, is arguably one of the best in the country and will likely be, you know, vying for another Final Four run? So I think that the Kentucky saga, the, the soap opera, it's always worth tuning into. And Calipari does a great job of continuing to build that up. So, so that's what I, I don't really want to miss. Crispin, appreciate the time on this Saturday, man. Go enjoy the afternoon with your family and watch these games tonight, all right? You got it, man. I'm down in Ocean City, New Jersey. What, what could get better than this? <laughs> that is John Crispin, kind enough to join us via the BetQL guest hotline. You can find him on Twitter, at John Crispin ESPN. That game you mentioned, Kentucky and Kansas, it tips off 8 p.m. tonight. And Kentucky, in spite of the fact uh, that they've been struggling this season, they're two-point favorite, according to Vegas. So that could end up being a really, really fun game to watch down the stretch if it turns out the way that Vegas thinks it will turn out. So big thanks to Crispin for jumping on and joining us. We'll talk more football coming up in hour number two. But as we wrap this hour, it's Royal Rumble season, baby. I got a pick for you if you're a degenerate like me and want to bet on the Royal Rumble. I'll give it to you next. You're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan. You're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan at the Denton Day on Twitter. In about 10 minutes, a new Ovi documentary being released on ESPN in the month of February. Going to break that down and what I'm hoping that we see in that documentary. Plus, get back to the championship football that we have this weekend in the NFC and AFC. This weekend, though, is one of my favorite weekends of the year. Not only do we get championship football on Sunday, but we get the Royal Rumble on a Saturday, which for for my money, the Royal Rumble is the absolute best sports entertainment event of the calendar year. You don't even have to love pro wrestling to get down with the Royal Rumble. It's literally just three hours of absolute mayhem and madness. You have a men's Royal Rumble match, a women's Royal Rumble match. It's nonstop fun. I'm pumped. It literally is an event with me and some of my homeboys we gather around. I mean, granted, my one of my friends lives in a completely different state, so we just text each other about it. We don't actually get in the same room, but the idea is the same. It's just a more new age uh, way of watching the event with one another, but we love the Royal Rumble. Last year's Royal Rumble event was terrible. Uh, it was run horribly. There was no great entrance, no great surprises, but this year, I'm telling you, if you're a gambling degenerate like myself, I'm a huge degenerate. Now, unfortunately... You can't bet on the Royal Rumble in America because pro wrestling is predetermined, so it does seem silly to bet on it. But you can bet on it on some of the offshore accounts. The pick tonight is Sami Zayn for the men. It's Rhea Ripley for the women. It's Sami Zayn for the men. Sami Zayn has to be the one to dethrone Roman Reigns for the WWE and Universal Championship. It really is as simple as that. He needs to win the Royal Rumble. Cody Rhodes is coming back, which is going to be awesome. I hope he comes in at number one and runs the gauntlet for like 45 minutes because he's a perfect Iron Man. But Sami Zayn has to be the one to win the Royal Rumble and then go and beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. If you want picture-perfect television, 
you got to follow the storyline that WWE is doing with the bloodline and Roman Reigns. It has been absolutely perfect. It's the only reason I watch Friday Night SmackDown on Fridays. I watch the bloodline stuff, and then I kind of turn it off and watch games when it's everybody else. Then I come back at the end of the show for the bloodline stuff because it's amazing television just told within the context of professional wrestling. Sami Zayn is the pick tonight if you're getting down on some D-Gen action in the Royal Rumble match. You're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan. Earlier this week in the city, Washington traded Rui Hachimura or Rui Hachi uh, Huchimama, I think is what Charles Barkley called him, on TNT. That was a move that I think was head-scratching for a lot of people uh, from Tommy Shepard. I really don't find it as head-scratching. It's sad. You know, I'm I'm upset at the fact that it's another first-round pick over the past 10 years that has gone to waste here in Washington. And I do think Rui had his his moments where you think, uh, now he can be something in this league. There were some games where he's going for 30 points, and you're thinking, you know, if he can just put everything together, he can be a really good player in this league. But according to Tommy Shepard, he was taking minutes from Denny Avdia, and they had bigger plans in the organization from Denny Avdia than they did for Rui Hachimura. And they're stuck in the cycle, the Wizards are, of average They're going to be just good enough to potentially compete to get into the play-in, but they're not good enough to compete long-term in the Eastern Conference, certainly not with a team like Milwaukee or like Boston or like Brooklyn or Philadelphia. I mean, those are your top four teams when the playoffs come around in the Eastern Conference because they have star power, something that the Wizards are are really, really lacking. I've been disappointed with the the output of uh, Bradley Beal this season. Um, I do think Brad is still a great player, and I don't hate the fact that he's here. It feels like when I look at Twitter, and I know Twitter can sometimes be a cesspool, but it feels like when I look at social media, everybody hates Bradley Beal. I don't hate Bradley Beal. I do think Bradley Beal can be really good. I just don't think Bradley Beal is the number one that's going to win you a championship. And the problem with this team being owned by Ted Leonsis is that Ted Leonsis had success sticking by one guy and then ultimately winning a championship maybe you know seven, eight years later than he should have with the Capitals organization, Alex Ovechkin. And it looks like he's taking a similar approach with Bradley Beal. The difference is that Alex Ovechkin is legitimately one of the best hockey players of a generation versus Bradley Beal is a really good basketball player. But he's never been a top 10 guy. And he's certainly never been a top five guy. He's not getting MVP votes the way that Ovechkin was winning the MVP. And I think that line of logic has really hurt the Washington Wizards. And it's what forms my general line of thinking that monopolies and owning uh, the, the franchises in this, in this city are a bad thing. I'm really glad that the Leonsenses uh, don't seem to be the ones that are going to own every single franchise. I know they put a bid in for the Nationals. I just I like to stay away from monopolies when it comes to that because every single sport is different and you have to understand how to operate in every sport differently or you have a situation where you pay one guy $250 million when he's not as deserving of $250 million because if you're getting paid $250 million, you got to be the best player, man you got to be far and away the best player. And when you watch the Wizards this season, Brad has not been the best player. Chris Stops has been really good. Kyle Kuzma has been really good. I mean, you could argue that Kyle Kuzma has been the guy for Washington this season. He's there most often, and he's playing the best basketball of anybody. 
I do hope that in trading Rui Hachimura, that's going to free up enough money to keep Kyle Kuzma in D.C. long term because I really want him to be here for the foreseeable future. I think Kyle Kuzma is really good. But I also know that he's not a true number one that's going to take you to the promised land somewhere this franchise hasn't been in what's approaching on nearly 50 years. I mean, it's already two. I mean, it's 2023, man. Like we're approaching nearly 50 years since the Wizards won a championship. It's a it's it's tough being a Wizards fan now. It really is. It's tough being a Commanders fan. It's tough being a Wizards fan. It's tough being a fan of every team in D.C. right now, with the small exception of the Capitals, because we're chasing greatness with Alex Ovechkin, and he's going to be the new centerpiece of a documentary Coming up on ESPN, we'll discuss what to expect from that Alex Ovechkin greatness documentary. We'll do it as we kick off hour number two. You're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan of the Odyssey app. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.